Welcome to the Shanna Plan. This is episode 15. We are off a 49ers bye week. 49ers returned to the field on Wednesday and they returned to the game field on Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams. I am hosted by Akash. Akash, how was the bye week for you? Uh, Bad. Lost a ton of money. I mean, this was a <laughs> betting week. Uh, Freaking Tom Brady last night lays a duck. I had Tampa Bay minus four. Uh, what else did I have? I think the only bet that won was uh, the Titans plus six. I lost uh, New England plus two, Green Bay plus one and a half, the Chiefs minus seven. It was just bad gambling weekend, but you know you have some of those. It is what it is. Yeah, I had uh, Atlanta. I had the Jags. I had betting on the, the Jags Eagles. is illegal. <laughs> I had the Eagles. I just felt like it was a prime fade Tomlin spot because he's not good when he's like a double-digit um, favorite. But every, I, I don't know. Even the Eagles felt like the right play. But Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. Jake Luton is Jake Luton. And Matt Ryan is just – Outplayed by Taysom Hill. At this point, he's so old and worthless. Anyway, we are going to talk about everything that's happened in the 49ers land over the past week or so. And we're going to start with – Tack McKinley, who signed after failing a physical, 49ers initially claimed him. They claimed him for a second time, were rewarded with McKinley, but McKinley was failed, and that I think that lasted roughly 36, 48 hours. Um, in that time period, McKinley went from the hero that was going to put the 49ers, help the 49ers pass rush, he's going to help put over uh, Eric Armstead over the top, and that turned into, uh, we don't need him. It's not a big deal. So that's been the mind of the fans. I mean, there's just been so much that's gone on this year. Do you think there's any chance that we see Tack McKinley in a, uni- in a 49ers uniform maybe this offseason? Does he come back? Or is that just is that ship sailed? I think the ship sailed. Uh, the, the only take I had when Tack McKinley failed, this is physical, is that, you know, the team doctors have seen every freaking injury possible with this team. Like, you name it, they've seen it. And so if Tack McKinley is failing the Niners physical, he must be, like, seriously injured of, like, some sort. So he's in Vegas right now with the Raiders uh, trying to pass their physical. They need pass rush help desperately. I wonder if they keep him on their roster. But I imagine, you know, wherever he lands, he might, stay on uh you know into next season i i doubt he's back um just because nick Moses nick bose is going to be back 49ers probably move on from d forward they'll find a better you know uh rusher than tack mckinley whether it's through free agency or through the draft i think they can just find other rotational pieces so and especially if you looked at his twitter before you know he's taking some shots at kyle shanahan probably don't bring him in so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm not so sure that Kyle Shanahan knows how to use the internet, so I will give yeah, Tack true. a pass there. But uh, speaking of just the 49ers physical, somebody tweeted at us on Niners Nation that, hey, here's how the physicals go. Do you have a pulse? Yes. All right. You're good. So that was a good point where if you cannot pass a physical for the 49ers, you are probably really, really injured. Something is probably going on with that groin. Uh, moving on, Debo Samuel said on his Instagram that, He's coming back to work, so we are going to expect him back in the 49ers lineup. He also tweeted that with Tuesday being the first day back from the practice that he was flagged for another PED test, and uh, that was the second time since the Patriots game. 
And if for those of you that do not know, he's played one time since. So I can only imagine how BS that is for him. I don't know if that's just with, you know, being activated from the IR or what sort of process that goes through. But I just wonder, you know, how does that take any sort of hit on their mental? Do you have any thoughts on Debo either coming back or being tested or having to go through another PD test? The PED test is whatever. Like I, you know, before we hit record, I was talking about talking with our producer stats because uh, Kyle's always late to show up. You know, he he shows up like right as we hit record, and, <laughs> and stats and I are usually here like five minutes before. But we we were talking and we're like, hey, it is what it is. You just got to pee in a cup. Like it's no big deal. Like honestly, it's almost a compliment because they think you're just like trucking dudes every Sunday. So I would look at it like the flip side. Um, but for him coming back, I thought he had his best game of the season against the Rams. Back in week six, he had uh, like six catches for 66 yards. He had a ton of those, uh, you know, catches in the backfield where he had uh, yards after the catch. So I think having him, especially because Brandon Ayuk uh, might not play, uh, will be invaluable to this offense. And they're going to need everything they can uh, against one of the best teams in the NFC this week. Yeah, no doubt about it. And. I mean, just what Debo brings to the team, just as far as mentality. And he just, he honestly, he bails him out of a lot of bad situations as well. So it'll be nice to get him back. Uh, moving on. And speaking of being late, by the way, some of us, unlike the, our producer and my co host, actually have to work more than three hours a day. So I was busy getting stuff done. Thank you very much. Anyway, uh, the 49ers opened the practice window for. Their two best, two best running backs, many people are saying, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. So the 49ers have 21 days to open their practice window. More than likely, we're going to see them sooner than later. Uh, both players are returning from a high ankle injury, um, high sprained ankle, however you say that. And I just, man, if you guys remember what Mostert did against the Rams, like his box score is not going to be as, you know, it's not going to really tell the whole story, but he was just running over dudes. He was running through tackles and he was allowing the 49ers to stay ahead of the chains. It was, it was honestly probably some of the best running that I've seen for Mostert. And I know he has a ton of long plays, a ton of 80s, 90 yard touchdown runs, but that is how, like that is what you want to see from a player like Mostert. How much did the 49ers miss a guy like Mostert and even like Jeff Wilson, who balled out when he played against the Patriots? Yeah, and when he said people think that they're the two best running backs, I said that. So uh, <laughs> um, Raheem Mostert, I think they miss his just second-level burst. Um, this season, you know, the offensive line, I think they haven't been run blocking as well. And they're also missing that player that can just break like a three-yard run into like a 50-yard play. Uh, it's been just too methodical this season, and that's just tough to maintain uh, throughout the year consistently. So getting that guy back, uh, and then Jeff Wilson Jr. had arguably his best game, maybe in his career against the Patriots. I mean, he was the bell cow that day, and so he got hurt uh, you know, midway in the second half. And so to get those two guy ba- guys back, I think Mostert comes back this week. I'm not sure if Jeff Wilson does, but uh, eventually they'll have both of them. They should get the majority of the carries. Because uh, I don't want to see Jarek McKinnon getting the bulk of carries again. Uh, and I think most 49ers fans would agree with that. Um, they would like to see the top two backs get the touches. I'm glad you said burst because I think McKinnon gets a little, he just gets a bad rap for what he's done this season because, believe it or not, he's broken a ton of tackles. So 
on a percentage basis, Mostert has broken a tackle 17.6% of the time. McKinnon is right behind him at 16.7% of the time. So he's up there, and both of those numbers are in the upper half of the NFL for running backs. But as you said, one guy breaks a tackle and then runs away from you, whereas the other breaks a tackle and then doesn't really go anywhere. Right. Right. Having you know Mostert and that explosive ability is going to really save the 49ers from having to have these 12, 13, 14 play drives, and that's probably the biggest uh, one of the biggest boosts that Mostert provide for this offense and speaking of boost Richard Sherman uh, we haven't had any word yet but Kyle Shannon is going to speak on Wednesday I believe so we'll have an idea of whether or not Sherman is practicing how much of an impact or how big of a deal is it to get Sherman back in lineup because I and the reason I asked and we've talked about this plenty of times but it Brett Mosley they haven't played poorly I mean, Mosley ran into DK Metcalf. Like the bad games that Mosley's had this season. DK Metcalf, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams. Okay, so three of the best receivers in the NFL. Every other game, like he's been either very solid or lights out. But, I mean, it's not as if those guys wouldn't have beaten Sherman. So um, how much are the the 49ers gaining with Sherman back in the lineup? Yeah. That's why when you know fans usually say, "Oh, Debo's coming back, Ayuk's coming back, Richard Sherman's coming back," the Richard Sherman part, I usually tend to pump the brakes on, just because, like you just said, Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley have been uh, really good. I think they're more athletic and more, you know, versatile than Richard Sherman is. I think on the field, um, and you combine that with the fact that um, you know since the Brian Allen game and since both of them have been healthy the last few weeks. Uh, they've been good outside of the fact that, you know, they went up against Metcalf and they went up against Adams. And even if Sherman had played those games, I think those receivers would have still put up numbers because the way they were beating Mosley, Sherman wasn't going to prevent that, right? Sherman doesn't have the speed to be able to keep up with a DK Metcalf on like a go route down the sideline. Like Metcalf was going to be either one of those corners. The only place it does bring you an advantage, advantage is I think mentally on the field. Uh, Sherman is like having a coach on the field. So mentally he may see things that a Mosley may not. Um, and I think the other thing is uh, with K1 Williams getting suspended, I think Jamar Taylor has been okay. He's been serviceable, but maybe you decide to use those three guys as your three corners. Uh, that being, you know, Sherman Mosley and Verrett rather than going Sherman Verrett and Taylor. So that those would be the little advantages that you gain. Um, it's a big boost, obviously, to the defense, but how much value it actually adds, I'm I'm not really sure. Also, you have another option, as you mentioned, with Mosley. So if they run into a team where, whether it's the Rams and they're living in 11 personnel or the Bills try to spread them out or maybe the Cardinals down the line, you just have another defender to allow you to get an extra DB on the field. And that's where I believe the 49ers are at their best with having those. And one of another thing that's been that's came up, not really new, but for former 49ers cornerback Eric Davis believes that Richard Sherman is going to be an all pro safety. And and he compared him to one Merton Hanks, who best celebration dance of ever, Funky Chicken. Eric, I hope you're hearing this. I hope you're listening to this. Don't worry. If you're not, I'm going to at you so you know. You are wrong. 
this is an unbelievably bad take, and I will tell you why with respect. So think about what safeties are asked to do in today's day. So they're asked to play deep, play near the line of scrimmage. You have to be able to turn and run recovery speed, and that is not where Sherman shines. You have to be able to move fast going backward and forward. Burst recovery speed is not a strong suit for Sherman, and you're going to have to be able to mix it up. And while Sherman is a good tackler, like he's fine, he's a, a willing tackler, how is he going to fare in the trenches when he has to take on pulling linemen? Like that is something where like a guy like Jimmy Ward or Jaquesky Tart do very well. Uh, Tarverius Moore, he's so like young, reckless, doesn't know any better that he does it very well. But I don't think that that is something where Sherman does. And and as I mentioned, just recovery speed. It's not he's not a guy that I would trust to be in the middle of the field and be able to get outside the numbers on a deep route. Um, I can just see a quarterback looking one way, throwing Sherm off and then going the other way. And I just I just don't think safety is in his cards for the future. So. Uh, I will just leave it at that. Let's talk about the nearly full football team of starters that the 49ers have on the COVID list right now. Uh, They have nine players, and one of those, probably the most important player, ESPN reported that Trent Williams tested positive. So his status for Sunday's game is up in the air, and he's not the only one. Obviously, Brandon Ayuk went on there, and you have the entire list, but yeah, I mean, we could see another shakeup at offensive line or based on how Justin School played against the Packers because uh, he's just they just didn't have much of a shot. And I imagine, as we saw last year against the Rams, I think it was week six, or the first time the two teams played, when Justin School was on the field, the Rams put Aaron Donald at on the edge, and he got a sack on the very first third down. So um, I imagine – They are going to try to highlight school if he is in the lineup. But how many players on this list, Akash, do you think play? And will we see a shakeup along the offensive line? Yeah. So first off, uh, the nine guys on the COVID list, if you guys haven't heard, uh, Eric Armstead was the first one. Um, He was like last week right after the game. Uh, Then they added Javon Kinlaw, DJ Jones, Jordan Willis. All along the defensive line. On the offensive line, they've got Pronus Grasso, which would make sense as a close contact. Trent Williams obviously has COVID. He's a cancer survivor, so hope he's all right. Uh, they've added Brandon Ayuk since, because I think Trent Williams and Brandon Ayuk, they either live together or they live in the same area. Um, it, it's something like that. They've been on the COVID list twice together. They're like a package deal, I guess. Uh, and then tight end Daniel Helm, which I'm not sure how much matters. And then linebacker Joe Walker. So those are your nine guys that are on the COVID list. Um, then back to the offensive line, I would not put Justin Skewell out there. Um, he got worked by the Smith brothers, uh, a couple weeks ago, he gave up six pressures, had like a sack, uh, a couple quarterback hits. Like it was just ugly. He was single-handedly wrecking, um, plays. There was the one deep shot that Nick Mullins had to, uh, Richie James, which I think he got hit on the throw. So the ball like bounced to Richie James, but Richie James, uh, beat his defender on a post. Justin Skule gave up the pressure, gave up the hit, and it effectively blew up the play. And so, especially against this Rams defensive line, which uh, if you watched any of Monday Night Football, they were hounding Tom Brady. Uh, they've been fantastic ever since they played the Niners in week six. Um, I was looking, at least uh, per PFF, they've been averaging uh, 33 pressures since 
They only had six in that game. And part of that was Kyle Shanahan's game plan, getting the ball out quick, um, as well as the offensive line playing well. Can they do that again? I'm not sure. I don't think so. So, um, yeah, it doesn't help with having these guys on the COVID list, but it is 2020. We knew the deal coming into the season that it was going to be weird. They were going to have to adapt. Dudes were going to go on the COVID list because of close contacts and cases and all that stuff. So it's it's par for 2020. It is what it is. But um, yeah, it just sucks that they're, the 49ers are getting hit like this uh, multiple weeks in a row now. Yeah, they've already they're already the second most injured team in the NFL. So uh, just losing more players to the COVID list or potentially more players to the COVID list is just added to the long list, man. That's what it sure seems like. Um, speaking of adding it to the list, K1 Williams on Tuesday tested positive for PEDs. Um, we don't really have to go too much into there. He was he's going to miss two games. He wasn't eligible to return until the Tuesday after Monday Night Football, which is December eighth against the bills uh, go ahead a, a total aside whenever someone gets popped for peds you know what i always en- envision in my head i always envision like when canseco and like mcguire were using like peds like back with the a's i always think back like uh someone getting shot up in the like locker room like bathroom like that's that's what i like envision in my head i know it's not like that but i always picture that but. Is it though? We don't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Like Conseco used to do that like before the games. And so like K1 Williams, like, you know, he's been playing well, but you know, I don't know the full story, but that, that's always what I envision whenever I hear someone get popped for, for PEDs. So moving on to Jordan <laughs> Matthews, who <laughs> 49ers worked out over the weekend. The 49ers have been working out several players, by the way, over this past week or so, just because of you you know the injuries obviously but the covid list that we just talked about so they need bodies and uh they worked out jordan matthews i don't believe they signed him but i was no. just curious because well like is do they, do they view him as a core special teamer over these last handful of games because they don't have able bodies or were they expecting maybe Ayuk, maybe samuel not to go was it just precautionary so that was something that you know i was just thinking about but along along aside from that the 49ers also worked out the second quarterback in as many weeks, uh, Washington State undrafted free agent Anthony Gordon. So it does seem like – Lifelong 49ers fan. Yeah, buddy. Bring him on then. <laughs> um, I've seen him play. He is a wild card. Like one play, he will look like Tampa Bay Jameis where he just – what on earth were you thinking throwing that ball? And then the very next play, man, he'll be – It'll look like a first rounder. He is an adventure, and I imagine that's why he is still unsigned. But he's a fun, capable quarterback that you'd like to develop. So I would imagine, you know, that's part of the reason why the 49ers brought him in. But just the fact that they're Josh Johnson and now Anthony Gordon, I think that kind of tells you how they feel about the current quarterbacks that are playing on the roster. And um it was did you have anything to add about Jordan Matthews or you, like why do you think that they brought him in? Uh, I was thinking about this after we hit record, but you know, maybe you just need able bodies to be able to catch passes on a given day and you bring them in for like a workout, but you don't actually sign the player. So obviously Brandon Ayuk's on the COVID list. Uh, Debo Samuel's still battling back from this injury. And so you just, you've got less bodies right now between the practice squad and the active roster. So do you just, 
you just bring on Jordan Matthews, you work him out just because you need dudes and you don't really sign him. Uh, like, is that a possibility? Like that would be the other thing. And he's someone familiar with the system and the playbook. So it's not like they have to like train someone from scratch could be the only thing I think of, but uh, regardless, even if they signed him inconsequential, doesn't matter. He wasn't going to make an impact anyway. Like I was thinking about this, like Muhammad Sunu signed with the 49ers at some point this season. And that feels like a year ago. Like we talked about Sanu, like he was going to be like Jerry Rice 2.0 and he was on the team for like all of like 72 hours. So another 49ers legend added to the list. So before we take a break here, the 49ers signed Chris Edwards to a one-year deal. And that was with Tart, Cyprian, and Jaron Maiden on the IR. They also brought back Sean Poindexter to the practice squad and Kai Naku, safety, to the practice squad as well. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will discuss the Rams, the 49ers playoff chances, and where they currently sit in the draft standings. All right, let's talk about those Rams. So everybody's going to remember how the game went last time. So the 49ers came out, and they just had a terrific game plan, like one of the best game plans or better game plans that you'll see from Kyle Shanahan. He knew that the Rams could not stop his playmakers. He knew the one person that could stop his playmakers was the person throwing the ball. And by doing so, he took the ball out of the person throwing. He took the ball out of the quarterback's hands and just he just allowed Debo Samuel. He allowed George Kittle. He allowed turn the ball hand off to Raheem Mostert, get him in favorable situations. That way the quarterback doesn't have to do too much. And it was a really good performance from the defense as well, at least early on. But Everything we remember, and I think fans are going to think, remember that game and think that this is how it's going to go Sunday. And I just, I just don't see that happening. I, I would imagine the Rams and Brandon Staley, their defensive coordinator, they're just going to load up the line of scrimmage or just go down, basically press the 49ers wide receivers and force Nick Mullins to throw the ball outside the numbers and down the field. Like, why wouldn't you do that? So, um, I just think it's going to be tough sledding for them. I do think the 49ers defense still has a chance to limit the Rams in the in the way that they did last game. Um, did you obviously you watch Monday Night Football? What was your takeaway from the Rams in that game? Uh, so two things. I texted you after the game. Jalen Ramsey looks phenomenal, and you and I were talking this morning, and we were like, okay, if the NFC West had a draft of all the defensive players. Um, you know, where would Jalen Ramsey go? He'd probably go like three. It, it would probably be like Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa. Then it would be like either Ramsey or Warner uh, and Wagner maybe is in the mix, but he's looked phenomenal. He shut down DK Metcalf two weeks ago. He absolutely took out Mike Evans yesterday. Mike Evans, one touchdown, he dragged like a defender. Um, But luckily the 49ers don't have like this true number one wide receiver in their offense that, <laughs> Jalen Ramsey just like shadows all over the field, right? And what Kyle did last time they played, obviously a ton of throws near or behind the line of scrimmage, uh, get guys in motion, get guys in space away from Ramsey and the corners and hit the the Rams laterally um, and get the ball to your playmakers and let them uh, rack up rack, so to speak. Um, and one of the things that they couldn't do against the Saints was exactly that because – Saints linebackers with Demario Davis and Quan Alexander were phenomenal. They obviously have uh, Malcolm Jenkins and you know Gardner Johnson, who also moves side to side very well. But outside of Ramsey, 
even kind of Darius Williams and like John Johnson to some extent, the Rams don't necessarily have that in the back end of their defense. So I think you could still potentially use that game plan a little bit to some extent, but it's going to come down to how well the offensive line can block. I thought they did a pretty good job the last time they played, even in like known passing situations. Um, and can they do that again? I don't know, uh, especially with the injury or the, the COVID situation to Trent Williams. Um, and obviously Ben Garland's not playing this time around. So there's enough shuffling where I don't think they re- can repeat that performance. And uh, yeah, if the offense can't hang around, eventually Jared Goff and his complement of weapons will be able to attack this 49ers defense. And that's kind of how I see this game going. Um, even though that Kyle's kind of had Sean McVay's number in the past. Yeah, so the 49ers are seven-point underdogs. The total on the game is 45. So Vegas is predicting a 26-19 to 19 victory for the Rams. And as you mentioned, it like the offensive line is going to play a big, a big factor in this one. So if Trent Williams goes, they'll be able to do a lot more on offense, obviously, as far as their drop-back passing game goes as well. But I just I do think getting Mostert and Wilson back on the ground game will will go a long way for the 49ers offense. But I mentioned how the defense can really shut down this Rams game, this Rams offense. So on Monday night against the Bucks, the Rams had 15 third downs. They had they went eight for third, eight for 15, which is really, really good. They of those plays, the Rams had 13 third and five or less opportunities, which is yeah, that's true. unreal. And if they do that, like it just makes Goff's life so much easier because they can they can basically call whatever they want to. And we saw what happens when he has to go down the field and when it's third and long. That's what the 49ers have to do. They have to find ways to win on first and second down. And I do feel like they Let me are, interrupt you. Who does that sound like? Uh-huh. <laughs> Stay ahead of the chains. Don't get in third and long. It sounds like someone that we watch a lot. Or some offense, I should say. So we saw... Like McVeigh didn't even want to. So whenever you roll out to half side of the field, that tells you what the offensive coordinator thinks about his quarterback. Like he doesn't even want him to make a full field read. He wants him to throw the ball to one person and one person only. Uh, there was another third down where he just the Rams turned up, turned around and handed the ball off. So it's obvious, it's clear as day that McVeigh does not trust his quarterback. But when it's third and four. Third and five or third and one, two, three, four. He has like he can do whatever he wants to because I mean the field's short. You have, the defense has to defend every level. And that's what makes, you know, a guy like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods so dangerous. And the 49ers, unlike Tampa Bay, are actually going to have to guard Cooper Cup, which who could have possibly known that the Rams were going to throw to Cooper Cup? But that is just me still being bitter about having that Tampa Bay ticket. So Same. Uh, what, <laughs> what do you think happens? Like what, what is your, let me like game script or prediction. And before we get there, yeah, I want to, wh- what is the score going into halftime? What's it going to look like? Um, Ooh, that's a good one. So if I had to predict a game script, I think Kyle Shanahan with two weeks, uh, to come up with a game plan here with guys coming back potentially uh, starts off strong. He starts off kind of like we, we saw with the Saints where they go boom, 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 right down the field. And you're like, man, can they pull this off? And then <laughs> you watch Mullins for another two drives and you're like, no, they won't. 
Um, <laughs> I yeah, I would think going into half, it's like. 14 10 or something like that where the Niners are down but it's close and then the Rams just kind of pull away as the game goes on I think they'll cover the seven points I think like you mentioned at the top of the pod they're arguably the most complete or maybe the second most complete behind the Saints depending on if Drew Brees plays uh team in the NFC um I think Sean McVay is doing a phenomenal job they've been healthy they've got Goff, those weapons defensively, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey have been fantastic. Brandon Staley, who's kind of a no-name coordinator coming into the year, I think he's doing a pretty good job as well. So they've just got everything clicking right now. All the NFC contenders are kind of flawed. They're still fighting for, you know, the division. They need to keep winning. It's not like they've got like a beat on Seattle. So I think they just come out, um, even though it's a short week for them. They're coming off a win. They're riding a high. I just think to take care of business, cover the points. I'd go like 30 to like 21 or something like that. I just don't, I just don't see the 49ers making this very close. Yeah. As much as we talk about, you know, what to do with Jimmy Garoppolo after this season, there's, there's just such a significant drop off, even from him to Nick Mullins. So their numbers are pretty similar in most areas, but in like quarterback rating and DVOA, it's just a, a big, big drop-off. So they have the same success rate, believe it or not, at 50%. Mullins actually has a higher completion percentage over expectation, and his is quite a bit higher. It's 2.5 compared to 0.3. Their air yards are pretty similar. And the DVOA, though, is pretty stark. So you have Jimmy has a 3.1%, and then Mullins is negative 10%. Neither are good, by the way. Which is tough to do. Yes, and that's the thing. And that's what... That's why it's so hard for a lot of 49ers fans to move on because they remember how Mullins and, you know, just the backup quarterbacks or the quarterbacks over the past decade or so have performed. But they ignore, like, these numbers. All that I'm reading, so Jim Garoppolo's EPA per play is 0.2. That is not good. Um, But when you compare it to Mullins' 0.1 or his quarterback rating, Jimmy Garoppolo's 59.1, which, again, not great. It's like bottom 10th, I think. Yeah, like all his numbers are like below average across the board, but Mullins is 43.1. So that's why we always see who are they going to replace him with just because the answer is not obvious here. But the reason I brought that up is just because, I mean, you just know a mistake is going to come from Mullins. And against the Rams, against a good team, as we saw against the Saints, the Packers, and more than likely against the Rams, the 49ers just haven't been able to overcome these giant mistakes that Mullins is making. So I do think that they're going to go into halftime trailing, but I, I, I have a weird feeling that the defense is going to be able to, you know, keep golf under wraps, but stats had a good stat, believe it or not. Sean McVay is 32 and 0 when he has a halftime lead. So if you do not get the lead on him going into the half, as we saw against Tampa Bay, they just, they just do a really good job of adjusting and, finding ways to, you know, keep golf ahead of script and make life easier on him, even though he goes out of his way to do everything wrong possible. That says a lot about their defense, too, because Goff two, threw two picks in the second half, I think. I know he had one. He might have had two. So, eh, does it stay? And Sean McVay kind of got, let's call a spade a spade. He got conservative in that, like, last drive where he, like, handed the ball off rather than, you know, uh, throwing it on that, like, third and eight. He just turned around and handed it off, and he was playing for a field goal when I thought he could have played for a touchdown. Luckily, it didn't burn him, but 
So I actually want to talk about that because that's one of the rare instances where I agreed based on how Tom Brady was playing. Like that's where you go with like the game flow and the game script and you have to manage everything you've seen because up to that point, and if you watch the game last week, Brady has been leaving a lot of plays on the field. Yes. So you're basically challenging yourself. All right, Brady, go score. You haven't done it all half. Go score now. Or like in a manner where we didn't give you, you know, a, a short field or we weren't playing like soft defense. So I did understand it in that sense. But also he's playing conservative because he saw golf drop back and throw the ball when he had to, too, because it was early in the down. I think early in that drive where golf could have iced the game if he just hits a wide open dude on a slant and he just airmails it and he misses wide by like two and a half yards. So, uh, man, these these quarterbacks, they – and I remember, obviously, the 49ers were tied to Tom Brady. So, um, what a what a year it's been. So, let's move on to the playoff scenarios. And the 49ers still have a chance. Uh, you have them up. What are you seeing about the 49ers' current standing and their odds moving forward? Yeah, one of the most controversial things uh, in 49ers Twitter because – I guess everyone wants them to lose out. It's like, I don't understand it at all, but their playoff chances right now uh, per football outsiders who do like thousands of simulations and, and see what happens. Uh, it's 4.6%, which is argu- which is funny because it's their record at four and six, uh, same numbers. So it, it changed actually after this weekend because uh, Arizona lost at Seattle. Uh, so it actually helped their playoff odds that, Arizona, you know, isn't seven and three, uh, especially because they have a game against Arizona later on in the season. So the 49ers are still alive. And I spent some time going through this this weekend. So with the extra spot, uh, playoff spot this season, so there's three wildcard spots. Um, you look around the NFC, and in the NFC, we'll start with the East because it's the worst division. They will only have one playoff team, it'll be a division winner. We don't know who it is, uh, but they'll likely be under 500. You go to the NFC South, uh, I doubt the Panthers or the Falcons will make a push. They're probably out of it. So the Saints and probably the Buccaneers, because their schedule gets easy after next week, um, will make the playoffs. So one of those two teams will take up one of the wild card spots. Um, then you come to the uh, North. Uh, I think Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit all fall off. Minnesota actually has a pretty tough schedule, even though they have a good team. So I think it's a one-team uh, division there, and the Packers will take it. So you have two spots remaining, I think. Uh, one of the Rams or the Seahawks will probably take the division. I'm leaning the Rams, um, but the Seahawks have a really, really easy schedule. So one of those guys will take the division. And then it comes down to whoever's left and Arizona and San Francisco. So one of those teams will end up with the last spot. And I think it'll come down to Arizona and San Francisco. Uh, right now, San Francisco's two games back of Arizona. Uh, and they play Arizona, obviously, in Week 16, and that's a game that potentially they get Jimmy Garoppolo back for. Um, so this is massive this weekend because Arizona goes to New England, um, which is, it's just a tough game, right? You're going west to east. Cam Newton's actually been playing well these last few weeks. Can Ooh. they gain a game there? And then on top of that, Arizona still has two games against uh, the Rams. So Arizona can certainly come back to earth They're honestly they're a hail mary away from being five and five and the niners being like a game out of a playoff spot so this is big for the niners if they were a little bit more healthy i would be all in on the playoffs and trying to get that seven seed i just don't think they're good enough 
even though they're going, you know, balls to the walls, to try to get there. But yeah, just given all the playoff scenarios, their percentage looks low, but I think they're closer than what the simulation percentage says. What's your take? It will look a lot better if the Patriots beat the Cardinals and the 49ers beat the Rams. And that'll also give us a better indication of, you know, what this team, like, if is this team competitive? Because, I mean, if they can beat the Rams, then, you know, they deserve a shot. But if they're going to just come out Sunday and just get blown to smithereens, then all this was for nothing. But also think, so you, you mentioned the Cardinals schedule. So they have the Patriots and they have the Rams. Then they play like a pesky Giants team who really – does not give like the honestly the only game the 40 the giants were out of was the niners game yeah Yeah. Yeah. they've been a pain for every other team even the Rams like they should have beat the rams probably so i don't think that's going to be easy for the cardinals the eagles they'll be fine there and then yeah you have the 49ers and then the rams to end it so the cardinals tend to play you know they're they're almost like the new age seahawks where every game is a one possession it seems and they they kind of play to their competition so I don't know. I still don't know what to make of them because they make so many good plays, but at the same time, they make so many mistakes as well. Um, I don't. I honestly don't know. Again, it'll just come down to what we see this week. Which Nick Mullins, or not which Nick Mullins, because that train is like we we know which Nick Mullins is going to show up. It's about will the 49ers be able to overcome whatever mistakes happen, and will the defense be able to prevent the big play? But I, against the Rams, again, I, I will forever say that. On defense, they're a good matchup, and you know the, the Kyle Shanahan knows how to scheme open players against uh, the Rams as well. It's just a matter of execution. Would you agree this is the kitchen sink game for Kyle Shanahan? Like, if they lose this game, the playoffs are uh, probably out of range. So, do you think he goes just like throws everything at the wall, kind of like they did against the Saints last year? Yeah, and if <laughs> honestly, this is probably going to be like the hottest take ever. If that's the case. Why not throw like Josh Johnson out there? Why not throw somebody else who, because at this point, you know that you're not going to generate explosive passing plays um, against with Nick Mullins. So, and obviously, you know, CJ Beathard has a stronger arm, but that doesn't always mean that that's the best decision. So Uh, Johnson, practice squad player, but you just, is he? uh, Yeah, I think you're right. But, and that's a good point you bring up because he hasn't named a starter. But right. Kyle Shanahan hasn't met with the media since the the Tuesday after they lost against the Saints. So he's gone whatever 10 9 days without talking to the media. So he could have something up his sleeve, could be. Yeah, I mean the odds of that happening is very slim obviously. Like Probably. we assume that Mullins is going to start. So with that assumption, I just cannot predict the 49ers to beat a a good Rams team. And I don't think there's anything, any shame in saying that. So with that in mind, uh, there is a possibility that we talked about before the show that there is an extra wild card. If let's say a game gets canceled. So currently the Ravens have like the same amount of players on the COVID list as the 49ers ish. Their game could get canceled against the Steelers on Thursday. More than likely it would get postponed to Sunday Let's just hypothetically say it was canceled. That means there has to be an extra week. And now because of that, the NFL will add that extra seed. And that would mean the 49ers would more than likely, if they you know didn't just bottom out, be that last team and, and they'd be able to get some healthy guys going in. So, I mean, there, there are some 
out of, you know, just outlandish scenarios where the 49ers could make the playoffs. It's going to take a lot of hope and they're going to ha- need a lot of help. But none of that matters unless they start winning. And they're probably going to have to beat the Rams and they might have to beat the Bills as well. So we will get there when we see it. But- I, I, I will say if they do get healthy as the, and, you know, healthy relatively, right, because they're not going to get Nick Bosa. They're not going to get some guys back who are out for the season. They would be a tough out because I think every NFC contender is flawed. And at least if they get Garoppolo and they get Kittle and they get, um, you know, some of these offensive guys like completely healthy as the season goes on, they could be a wrecking ball, especially if they get in as like the eighth seed or whatever and they have to play whoever the one seed is. So, no, I agree with that actually quite a bit because these scores haven't really been indicative of, you know, what's been going on. Like the Saints game, the if you just look at the score, it wasn't close. There's, there's no way you watch that game and come away thinking the Saints are that much better than the 49ers. They just made some just boneheaded plays, mind-bogglingly dumb <laughs> plays that an NFL team should not make. Against the Packers, the, the game, it was a blowout, but for a good portion, of, for at least you know a quarter and a half, the 49ers, they felt like they could compete. It was just too many times, again, where big plays or you know a mistake on offense. So I agree they are going to be a tough out but they have to be able to get there first. So where do the 49ers currently sit uh, draft-wise? or What are their odds there? Yeah, so I like on Friday, I posted the draft odds and all the all the fans that were like, don't talk about the draft yet, only, only the playoffs. And then on like Saturday, I was like, all right, let me post the playoff odds. And then the, everyone was like, we got to tank for Zach Wilson. Like, <laughs> like, like, guys, relax. Like, I'm just, gonna post right. all, yeah, I'm just gonna post all the different odds. Y'all figure out like what you want to root for. I'm not really rooting for either scenario. We'll just see what happens when the season ends and where they land. But they're sitting at 14th, um, at least on Tankathon right now at four and six. Um, you know, Detroit, Minnesota, New England are all four and six, and they're ahead of them. Uh, just because of their strength of schedule uh, is easier, and 49ers' strength of schedule is tough. So, uh, in the t- in a tiebreaker situation, that will not favor them. Um, but this was a good weekend for the 49ers. If you would like them to continue to tank, um, the Carolina Panthers somehow beat the Detroit Lions. Uh, shut about actually um, with Philip Walker. I didn't know how that happened, but it did. Matt Patricia. Um, Oh. Yeah, Matt Patricia. Uh, the Washington football team also managed to win this week, and the Dallas Cowboys also won. And those teams play each other a bunch, and so do the Giants, who are also ahead of them. So they'll find a way, hopefully, to scoot down. So the Niners, 14 sounds bad right now, but I think they'll find a way, especially if they keep losing here over the next few weeks, to like scoot up that list pretty quickly. Oh, there you have it. Akash is rooting for the 49ers to tank. You heard it here first. Is there anything else we need to add before we get out of here? Uh, I spent Saturday watching Zach Wilson play North Alabama. Like it, <laughs> like it was, it was such an obscure game. It wasn't even on TV. Like I've got YouTube TV and I'm scrolling through all the channels. Yeah, and they have and like every football channel. By they've now. got every football channel, and it wasn't there. I'm like, what the hell? And then turns out it's on like BYU TV or some 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 crap. So <laughs> I load up BYU TV. I got it on the I got it on the screen. It's like watching a high school football game. It's like an empty stadium. It's like weird announcers. It wasn't in HD, but he looked fantastic. Kyle Trask looked pretty good too. Um, just a good weekend from from the co- college quarterbacks. I don't know if you caught any of those games, but um, yeah. 
I mean, if you watch any of these guys on Saturday, you must be like drooling over somebody. Yeah. So coming into this Saturday, my my guy, the guy that I actually would be willing to trade up for would was Justin Fields, and he goes out and throws like he lays an egg. Steps. So naturally, people are off the Justin Fields hype train. But if that like were to call were to cause him to fall in the draft, by all means, no. please let it do. Yeah, like nobody's gonna remember that it, the game. It was a, a downpour. I feel like um, so. But it was just a bad game. I think he had two picks in that game, and he thrown like two picks all year last yeah. year. It just is what it is. But typical overreaction. Yeah, and and another take I'm seeing a lot is like there's a lot of quarterback needy teams in front of the 49ers. Like, how are the 49ers gonna like, you know, uh, land somebody? And it's like, guys, relax. Like, uh, a lot of quarterbacks will move. You know, free agent times. Um, some some teams will trade for quarterbacks. Let's just let the draft thing play out. And depending on where the Niners land. Obviously, Cincinnati's going to be drafting in the top five. They don't need a quarterback. The Chargers are probably going to be drafting like the top six, seven. They don't need a quarterback. Like, there's ways for the Niners to trade up in the event that they need to. Um, but they're kind of no man's land right now. They could go kind of either way. This is really the the pivot point. They win this game. They got playoffs in sight. Kind of. If they lose this game, you're probably looking at you know draft pick. So. If only there was some evidence where we could see if this front office was aggressive when it comes to trading. Yeah, they're almost too aggressive to a fault. So uh, if they I like a guy, I do too. If they love a guy, they will go after him. And considering that Adam Peters is using his frequent flyer miles in a pandemic, <laughs> traveling from university to university, there is a good good possibility they, they take somebody. With that, we are going to get out of here. Hopefully, when we come back, we are talking about a 49ers win over the Rams. So, Akash is not happy with the 49ers tanking. Go Niners. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, review on iTunes or wherever it is you listen to us. Five stars only. Happy holidays. Go Niners.